you have 20,000 in your hand, you would just melt in a puddle of anxiety and sweat. Yeah, I would have, I, I would get the money. I would, I would have a plan. I would formulate the plan, but I'd get the money, but like, God damn it, I have to pee. And that would be the end of it. <laughs> Meanwhile, I was pissed off at the way she was dealing with the money in the movie. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> I'm Chris. I'm Amy. And you're at the movies with the madams. I am so excited for today's episode, guys. We've pushed this one back several times. It's finally here. Yeah. We pushed it back for various reasons and more so because I was too scared. <laughs> you hear that laugh, right? You hear that. <laughs> it is finally psycho time. Yes, it is. Psycho part one, because one segment of this movie is not torture enough for me. Well, see, that's the thing. It it really just isn't enough. There is so much to say, not only about this movie itself, which we're going to mainly do in part two, mm-hmm. but part one, we are going to focus on the culture around this movie and just how Psycho completely changed the way we watch movies. Hollywood would not mm-hmm. be what it is today without this movie. Okay. I did not know that. So in this classic tale of horror from Alfred Hitchcock, a woman finds trouble at a roadside motel run by a man with more mommy issues than the entire canon of Marvel and DC characters. (laughs) And you and me combined. I think that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. We have not gone, uh, gone to the lengths of Mr. Bates. No. If we had, we wouldn't probably be talking to each other right now. No. No. At least not from the comfort of homes. Possibly from Pat itself. No. <laughs> I wonder if people would actually listen to podcasts from people who are in institutions. Of course they would. Are you kidding? They'd have more followers than we do. That's true. Maybe we need to admit ourselves, you know? <laughs> Might boost our ratings. <laughs> So, Psycho stars Janet Lee, Anthony Perkins, Vera Miles, John Gavin, and Martin Balsam. And of course, we have the classic Hitchcock cameo in here. And uh, anytime mm-hmm. I watch a Hitchcock movie, I always think about my favorite uh, book series, uh, the In Death series by Nora Roberts under her pen name of J.D. Robb. There is a book in that series in which Psycho is featured. And okay. she grew up very deprived childhood. She never really saw movies and she hadn't seen Psycho. And she called it a movie via the hitch dick. <laughs> <laughs> and in typical fashion, her husband corrected her. She's like, what's the difference? <laughs> and you know what? She's not wrong. I see that. Yeah. 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 I get that. <laughs> yeah. Eve's not wrong there. So Psycho, of course, was released back in 1960, long before you and I were even a thought. Mm-hmm. As usual, with with anything horror or adult in any way, I saw this far too young. Of course. Your childhood worries me so much. Yeah, to the point where like I can't remember if I was taking showers yet or like still getting a bath. That young? How could you even remember you saw the movie? I know I did. 
because it, you know how my brain works. It's just always been in my consciousness. And I'm also aware, I don't remember how I reacted to the movie, but I do know that unfortunately I knew the ending. Okay. Yeah. I knew the ending too when I saw it. Yeah. I saw it like a couple of years ago. It's hard. It's one of those movies where, you know, it's hard not to because it's just always been True. there for, for those of us born afterwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was surprisingly able to stay away from Michael Myers and have no clue about that. Yeah, that still absolutely blows my mind. Having to, <laughs> having to explain to you, no, 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 that's the whole point. He cannot be killed. Well, maybe the power of Jesus will kill him. <laughs> I mean, the power of Jesus has killed a lot of people. Technically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. True. At least belief mm-hmm. in him. But we're not going to talk about Jesus today. We're going to talk about a man very different. Because we have to. A man named Ed Gein, who was actually the inspiration for the character of Norman Bates. So this was a novel, right? Correct. Based on the true story of Wisconsin killer Ed Gein. Now, I want to make this very clear. Okay. A lot of true crime documentaries and just things out there in the zeitgeist will call Ed Gein a serial killer. He was not. Why? Because he only killed two women. Uh, Mm -hmm. He may have killed his brother or at least been complicit in his brother's death. No one knows for sure, but would have been a completely different murder anyway. No, see, what what dear old Eddie is famous for is more uh, his his creativity. So let's let's say killing was his job and grave robbing was his passion. Interesting. Okay, so he was creative in what sense? I'm more interested in the creativity than the actual product. <laughs> she says that now, everybody. <laughs> okay, well, let's let's start at the beginning with Mr. Gein. So he was born uh, around like the 1910s in Wisconsin. He killed in about the late 1950s. Um, to call him batshit crazy would be an insult to bats, basically. <laughs> Okay. Uh, He grew up super isolated and emotionally abused by his ultra domineering evangelical Christian mother, Augusta. Okay. All right. Yeah. With a name like that. Well, they were very German. Mm -hmm. So that adds to the austere, cold nature of the family. Right. So she actually died of a stroke. He did not kill her. I see. Okay. All right. That's like some small mercy, I suppose. Yes. Uh, if you look up Mama's Boy in the dictionary, you will find a picture of Ed Gein. Mm-hmm. To go into details of that would be a whole other podcast. So suffice it to say that uh, Mr. Gein killed two local businesswomen, much like his mother who ran a grocery store. Mm-hmm. He was very attracted to both of them and they just happened to really look like Mommy. I see. All right. So he wanted to fuck Mommy. He wanted to both fuck mommy and kill mommy because he both loved mommy and hated mommy. All right. Yeah. Okay. He had his reasons. Okay. So uh, those two women that he murdered, uh, he then field dressed them like deer and uh, got a little sassy with, uh, with the bodies. So along with these bodies, uh, he enjoyed little weekend excursions out to the local graveyard where mm-hmm. he would dig up the bodies of uh, of old ladies. Old ladies. Mhm. Fresh old ladies? Typically. Okay. All right. 
So here's what I mean about, you know, job versus passion. So if you're listening and you are a tad squeamish and not a ghoul like I am, you may want to skip ahead a minute or two. As I explained to Amy and all of you, uh, the inventory of, uh, we'll say, goods that were found in Ed Gein's home upon his arrest. All right. Police found. Four noses. Nine masks of human skin. That's not unusual. Cannibals tend to do that. In fact, some tribes do use that, actually. Ten female heads with the top sawed off. Top sawed off as in the scalp? The scalp. Okay. Human skin covering several chair sets. Recycling. One of his victims, uh, Mary Hogan, her head in a paper bag. She must have pissed him off in some way. His other victim, Bernice Warden's head in a burlap sack. She must have pissed him off even more. Nine vulvas in a shoebox. <laughs> I have no comment for that. Yeah, I didn't think you would. <laughs> he possibly was the originator of a fleshlight. You're not wrong, because that is kind of what he did. Yeah, sort of. Yeah, that's probably where the idea came from, maybe. Well, not exactly, because it wasn't that he wanted to, to fuck the women so much as he wanted to be one. Mm-hmm. That was okay. Ed's pathology. Uh, he also had skulls on his bedposts. Decoration. A pair of lips on a drawstring for a window shade. How romantic. A belt made from human female nipples. That would be rather bumpy to wear. Mm. And lastly, a lampshade made from the skin of a human face. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Again, decoration. Yeah, so it's not surprising Ed Gein also inspired Buffalo Bill in Silence of the Lamb. So we owe Ed Gein a lot. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I'm just wondering how bad his house smelled. It was horrendous. It was absolutely disgusting mm-hmm. because he also lived in filth. He didn't have electricity or running water. And all he ate for years was cans of pork and beans that he just threw on the floor. Okay. Yeah. Because he lived alone in isolation, uh, going mm-hmm. slowly insane, obviously. Slowly? Yeah. Slowly? Yeah. It was a work in progress. I see. So obviously Hitchcock didn't take everything. Yeah, for clearly. That would have been a little much for 1960 audiences. <laughs> yeah, we wouldn't be discussing the movie. It would have been burned. Yes, so he mainly took the concepts of uh, Ed as a transvestite and also just the idea that a boy's best friend is his mother. Mm-hmm, Yeah. You can't deny there's something seriously creepy about that, generally speaking, for an adult. Oh, absolutely. I can't deal with adults generally who, like, are in their 40s and still refer to their parents as mommy and daddy. That weirds me out. Yeah, that sounds weird. Yeah. So interestingly, and I think the movie is better for it. I can't picture it otherwise. It was shot in black and white, not for the effect, which is what I always thought, you know, it's Hitchcock. Mm Mm-hmm. It was actually for cost, because still back in 1960, it was a lot cheaper. Color was more expensive to shoot in. Yeah, makes sense. Newer technology. Yeah. So here's the crazy thing, and it's one of those things that we take for granted, you know, having been born in the 80s. So before Psycho, movies in theaters were just played on a loop. There were no times. Really? Yeah. 
So you could just walk into a movie theater and, you know, you would just pick the movie up wherever it was. Mm -hmm. And Hitchcock came along and said, "Uh -uh." yeah, this movie, if you watch the end or halfway through the middle, it kind of ruins the entire movie. Exactly. So they actually put a release out and I'm going to read it right now for explaining why you had to see this movie from beginning to end and why they were setting times for it. Quote, Mm -hmm. We won't allow you to cheat yourself. You must see Psycho from the very beginning. Therefore, do not expect to be admitted into the theater after the start of each performance of the picture. We say no one, and we mean no one, not even the manager's brother, the president of the United States, or the Queen of England. God bless her. And to think she only just died. (laughs) (laughs) it's crazy same queen yeah yeah so i think this really helped in making movies like an event to go for at a specific time absolutely it's kind of the opposite of where we are now you know because we grew up with appointment television Mm -hmm. and and now it's just whenever i can't imagine having to sit down at a certain time to watch a show anymore and it has to be at that time or you're fucked right and you can only watch what's on tv at that time you don't have a choice of oh i don't really feel like watching this today and all the ads right oh my god last week when we were in uh orlando and we had two days to just chill in our hotel room because the parks were closed because of hurricane ian we saw more ads for medications and gambling apps than we've seen in the last 10 years combined it was ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, my mom watches on cable and if I go into a room and suddenly there's just some weird ad there and she's always insisting, oh, I need to be in front of the TV at this time to watch that. I, it just boggled my mind that she still wants to do that. Yes, I also think now that uh, pharmaceutical companies are definitely just making up diseases. They have to be. <laughs> <laughs> so another thing that we do have to mention is Alfred Hitchcock himself. I mean, whole volumes mm-hmm. have been written about this man. There's no question. He was a genius. Yeah, absolutely. However, he was a prick of the highest order. Yeah. Not very good with the women. No, both personally and professionally. Mm-hmm. Characters and actresses. Didn't matter. Right. Yeah. So he doesn't always kill his female characters, but... They are almost always treated uh, very misogynistically. Yeah. In fact, this in this movie, while I was watching it, so the main character, who the, the whole reason Bates was caught was because this woman who was having an affair with a man and stole money from him got killed. I was wondering if they were trying to portray like, oh, she deserved it or did like the 1960s audience not care so much about her murder because, you know, she's a thief and a fornicator. Now, what's interesting is your wording there. You're saying she's having an affair. What you're saying shows there how it influenced your own mind because she wasn't having an affair. She was just dating a guy. I know, exactly. But they start off in a hotel room Uh and he's talking about you know, his divorced wife. Now, of course, as the movie progresses, we know that he was genuine and he was single and all of that. Yes. But initially, it could be portrayed as like he was lying to her. And that's why he wasn't willing to get married to her. 
even though she was saying she wants to be respectable, but he kept kind of pushing back. Yeah. And see, I never even considered, never even thought about the fact that he might be lying because I, I love Sam Lewis, the originals, uh, Sam Lewis. Mm -hmm. I always believed him. Okay. Yeah. I wasn't quite so sure. I looked at it as he could have been conning her. And if this movie had gone in a different way, if she would have taken the money and landed there only to realize he actually is married and having an affair. Yeah. And you know, now that you say it, I think it's kind of interesting that Hitchcock didn't take it that way because if anybody would, it's him. Mm -hmm. So in pretty much every movie he ever made, there are stories about Hitchcock just of domination of uh, the women, uh, abuse and outright assault at times. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. He was a real piece of shit. Yeah. But he's also in the vein of like a Kubrick where there are other stories about people who worship the ground he walked on. Right. Yeah. There's always the, that dichotomy. Yeah. And not just men, you know, women too. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. So the big thing we need to discuss here is something called the Hayes Code. Mm-hmm. So the Hayes Code was not surprisingly given America's roots. It was a code of censorship in the film industry that was in place from 1934 to 1968. The film industry actually imposed this upon themselves. The U.S. government did not do this. Mm -hmm. But the, the motion picture industry did this ostensibly so the government wouldn't. They wanted to regulate themselves. Okay. Kind of like the AMA in that way. All right. All right. And, and you know what? I can understand that, especially at the time, 1934. I totally get that. Why? Because of what was going on in the U.S. at the time, because of the culture. I get the, the logic. All right. Okay. It is a flawed logic because of who was coming up with the logic, which was white men, you know, mm -hmm. but I do understand the impulse. So we also have Hitchcock to thank for the end of the Hayes Code. It didn't fully end till 1968, but Psycho played a huge role in its abolition. How so? Because Hitchcock said, fuck it, and broke pretty much every rule. So which were the rules that he broke? Okay, so we're going to go through some of them specifically. But just to start out, here's an example. Psycho was the first American movie to show a toilet on screen and hear it being flushed. Seriously? That is how repressed Americans were. Did people not poop in America? Well, my God, the amount of preparation H that was consumed in the 20th century of America because of repression... Because people didn't want to talk about anything uncomfortable. Nobody was shitting for decades. <laughs> yeah, you combine all that stress and repression with uh, nothing but meat and potatoes and, and god-awful TV dinners. Yeah, you, you've got yourself a problem. <laughs> so when the Hayes Code was abolished in 1968, it was replaced by the current MPAA rating system. And you know, that's a mess in its own right. Mm -hmm. Nothing's going to be perfect. No, nothing is, but it's something. And, you know, it's impossible to go back in time and view this movie from a 1960 lens and experience it that way. So much is lost on us, you know, in 2022. But we're going to do our best to imagine what it was like for people seeing this movie for the first time while also looking at it through our own eyes. Right. 
and put those true crime caps on, everybody. Make them tight. <laughs> yeah, I knew when I was watching this movie, this girl is going to have a ball. Oh, yes. Talking about it. Yes. Well, we're going to get more into uh, the true crime serial killer nature of things in part two. Mm-hmm. Welcome to Haven't Seen It, a movie podcast hosted by Tim Sestito and Tommy Tevenet. One of these hosts hasn't seen the movie, and they're going to talk about it. Expect great insight. Tim's really testing my commitment to the podcast by making me watch The Godfather. Witty banter. Uh, I like RoboCop shooting dicks, I guess. And lots of laughs. Haven't Seen It, available on Apple, Spotify, and all other major podcast platforms. You guys know that Amy and I are very different people. One of the greatest challenges in building our business has been overcoming our contrasting relationship with technology. That's a nice way of saying Amy has a silicon thumb, while I can break a computer just by looking at it sideways. And we know many of you fall into one of these camps, so we're here to tell you about one of our favorite products using a bilingual approach. Take it away, Amy. Backblaze is a cloud-based backup solution for all your data storage needs. Backblaze is a kind of digital safe where you can protect your photos, home videos, and important documents from things like fire, floods, or people like me who can delete their entire business from Google Drive without even knowing it. With its simple user interface and smooth setup, Backblaze is accessible to everyone. Backblaze is easy enough for Luddites like me to use without breaking anything. Use the link in our show notes to get a 15-day free trial of Backblaze and help support the Marvelous Madams. You get two weeks free before you buy, and we get money too. When it comes to data, they have your back. Okay, so we're going to go through these Hayes Code uh, violations, and I do want to give credit to a fantastic Tumblr account where I found all of this laid out, uh, Cold Crash Pictures. Yeah, the link will be in the show notes. Yeah. Okay. And we did mention some of these things uh, when we were talking about WandaVision. Like, oh, Jesus, two and a half years ago? Wait, no. A year and a half ago? I have no concept of time anymore. A year and a half. Longer. Yeah, 2021. Somewhere in 2021. Yeah. Going on to, oh, Jesus, it's October. We're going on two years almost for WandaVision. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we definitely talked about some of this with like old-timey uh, TV sitcoms. So number one. No full-size bed may be displayed. Oh, so people didn't poop and sleep. No, they, they didn't have sex. I see. All no right. full-sized bed. They could have separate twin beds, like Lucy and Ricky. Uh-huh. You know, uh, the show Masters of Sex, a couple. Now, this is a show about sex, mm -hmm. and it's about, not exactly a biographical, but it is based on real people. And the main couple had twin beds in the house i mean technically my husband and i actually both have twin beds they're connected so our beds i think i've mentioned these before uh because of my like orthopedic issues they are mm -hmm. adjustable so i sleep in a zero gravity position and my husband sleeps with his head just elevated a little bit so that he doesn't snore so that like both of right. us are perfectly comfortable, but we're still like right next to each other. But we have separate comforters, which is nice because he was reminded last week uh, what a problem I am uh, to sleep with with the same uh, sheets and comforter. <laughs> yeah, no, this was like two separate beds. Like 
two siblings was staying in the same room. Yeah. Kind of distance. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you know what? Honestly, that actually does work for some couples. It, it truly is. Some people cannot sleep sure. with another person for various reasons. And what you do there, it's simple. You just have a, a separate sex bed in the house. <laughs> honestly, that's what you do. Yeah, I can't sleep with someone else in the room with me. I, I've, I've just ended up getting conditioned in such a way. I've been sleeping alone for so long. You got to stop saying stuff like that. It makes us all sad. <laughs> no, I'm just saying it in a factual way. If someone is sleeping next to me, I, I just can't sleep. Yeah, stop it. You're making it worse by saying it's factual. <laughs> okay. So right from the opening shot, Hitchcock is just giving the Hayes Code the finger because we mm-hmm. see the full-size bed right away in the opening shot in the motel room. It starts in a motel right. room. Yeah, exactly. All right, so number two, undergarments may not be shown. That's the first shot of the movie again. Yep. Janet Lee is in a bra and John Gavin is shirtless. Mm-hmm. I gotta say, I don't mind looking at that man. Yeah, he looked pretty good. Mm-hmm. Especially for the time. Yeah, true. Not a fan of the super pointy bras. No, I don't understand those. Yeah. Why? They're not comfortable. No. And they look stupid. Well, yeah, of course. It's not like women have, you know, pointers for nipples. Well, you know what I guess it was? Because at that time, it was still men who were designing and making bras, you know? So I guess they were doing what they wanted. Maybe, and maybe it was easier to cut and stitch points as opposed to round. Yeah, that maybe they just didn't give a shit. Probably. Yeah. And even the movie poster had Janet Lee in a bra. Like, holy shit, 1960, a woman in a bra mm-hmm. on a poster. Yeah. And it's a tough thing because I'm all about bucking this code and throwing it in society's faces. But at the same time, all of that comes almost exclusively at Janet Lee's expense. Yes, it does. That's why I was thinking about it in that way. She's not a very sympathetic character. If you keep in mind the time this movie was made, she would not be considered a sympathetic character. Oh, I hadn't thought about that, mainly because I find her incredibly sympathetic. Sure, yeah. And we're going to get to that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this part, God. Number three, no lustful or suggestive kissing or anything that stimulates the lower and baser element. <laughs> Again, first shot of the movie. Well, let me just say this, okay? I would rather physically view the contents of Ed Gein's home, the whole inventory, than ever again watch the scene of Marion and Sam kissing. Why? At first off, that says so much about you. Well, Here's the thing, and please, guys, let us know either on Twitter and Instagram at the Madam's Pod or email us at feedback at the Madam's Pod if you felt this way. The way they're kissing, it makes my fucking skin crawl. Yeah, it's not the kind of kissing you see nowadays. Definitely. No, no, they're just like rubbing their mouths against each other's mouths and face. I don't know why, but it's just so <laughs> gross. I don't know about gross, but it's just, it's certainly different. And it's not what we're used to seeing. I don't know why they were doing that. Maybe because, maybe because of censorship issues, like they didn't want to show 
proper kissing. I've seen it in other movies. That was like kind of the yeah. style at the time. And it's so fake right. and I hate it. I'm so uncomfortable just sitting here even talking about it. Yeah. And that thing like where they hold you and then kind of just turn your face off the off camera angle. So you can't actually see them kissing. Ugh. It's just faces smushed together. I don't have a problem with it. And no, I would not rather see Ed Gein's house and inventory than that. Well, I think this says a lot about the society at the time, too, and how unhappy mm-hmm. so many marriages were. The, the divorce rate's not as high as it was now because it wasn't uh, considered proper. But so many people were absolutely right. miserable that there wasn't a whole lot of kissing going on amongst married couples in America. Well, what does that have to do with c- kissing on screen? It's kind of a reflection because it, it's so fake and mm-hmm. it's uncomfortable. You know, it's hard to explain. <laughs> so that leads directly into number four here. The sanctity of marriage and the home had to be upheld. Uh-huh. Okay, so that's why he wasn't cheating, but he was divorced. Bad boy. Bad, bad yeah. boy. It's going straight mm-hmm. to hell. So, yes, we're not honoring the sanctity of marriage in that way. And also, ooh, they're not married and they're having sex. Ooh. Yep. And there's another bit to this, too. And it has to do with the other secretary at the bank that Marion works at. Mm-hmm. And it's, a, it's quick, but I love this woman's performance. <laughs> yeah. So... I don't, I don't recall her name. I don't know, even know if she gets one. Uh, this secretary is talking to Marion about men. She's saying how uh, she had to take tranquilizers for her wedding and that her husband was right. so pissed about this. Mm-hmm. Oh, I have to imagine he was pissed because she was either knocked out by the time he wanted to have sex or she was just too loose to cooperate in any way. Yeah, either way, he wasn't happy. And either way... It goes to show that she wasn't happy either. Right. And this speaks to the repression of the times. Number one, no woman should have to take tranquilizers on her wedding day. Yeah. No man either. Nobody should have to do that. It should be a happy event. Nobody should be so nervous either about the logistics of some insane, you know, wedding or about the person that they're marrying. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. And, you know, the other half of this is at the time... So many women, you know, did hold true to, you know, virginity till the wedding day that they were terrified Mm -hmm. because they were either clueless about what was going to happen or afraid of the men that they were marrying or both. Right. And also married women would end up telling younger women that it's painful. Right. Beware the one-eyed snake. (laughs) I remember that from something. I don't remember what. Okay. As a kid. Uh, yeah, so ladies, take a test drive. Take several. Rent a few cars before you buy one. <laughs> yeah, and you don't need to necessarily buy one. No, that is correct. Yeah, why buy the cow when you can get the milk for free? Well, Amy, some of us do love the cow. Sure. That's yes. why. That's a you problem. It's not a problem. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sometimes it's a problem like this week when when the cow fills himself with so much sugar on vacation that he gets sick. 
<laughs> and it doesn't understand why. Mm-hmm. But what I love even more is Marion's reaction to this woman. She doesn't go along with it. Instead, she looks at this woman and says, you can't buy off unhappiness with pills. Yeah, true. And it's even funnier because the secretary, she's clearly on a trank right now at work. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, her boss seemed okay, but if the clientele were a lot like the guy who walked in and was openly flirting with Marion, I mean, she would want to be on a trank. Yeah, I mean, the boss did seem decent because even he wasn't like super comfortable with with the client. Yeah. But he was letting it go because he was getting a lot of money out of it. Right. And that's not something that that is unique to 1960. We've all been there. No. Yep. All right. So next, criminals cannot be made sympathetic. Yeah. Could you imagine that? How boring would movies be today if villains and criminals weren't allowed to be sympathetic? True. And you certainly would have lost out on one specific someone i knew it was covered i knew there was no way to avoid it <laughs> i think half the female population would be a little more sane today possibly but honestly like some of cinema's greatest villains are highly sympathetic yeah and if you're able to connect with someone and even if you disagree with them it still makes them more compelling and a more interesting story absolutely and there's tons of examples And, you know, this also, this part of the Hays Code also shows the rigidness of the time. And their minds back Mm -hmm. then, there was just no room for any gray area at all. You were either a good guy or a bad guy. Clearly, yeah. It's all black and white thinking. Exactly. Which is why another reason I think this movie works better in black and white. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's, that's the other reason that sympathetic villains are so important. It's more accurate for real life because very few people are either totally good or totally bad. Right. And, you know, I think Marion Crane is one of Hollywood's great sympathetic characters. I don't consider her a villain in any way, of course. No, she's not. But 1960 audiences, like you alluded to earlier, may have seen her differently. I'm sure sure definitely saw her differently. Mm Mm-hmm. They would have probably considered her loose. Yeah, men and women alike. Women especially. Women especially. Would have hated her. Yes, but... You know, and I say this coming from the context of my own childhood and, and, you know, having grown up with my own mother, I think outwardly all the women would have called her loose, called her a whore and a thief and all kinds of other things. But there would have been that little pocket of truth within them Mm -hmm. that wanted Mm -hmm. to applaud her, that wanted to be her and break out of their own miserable lives and marriages. Exactly. She's the one that they can't be. Yeah. She was happy in her relationship and she took the initiative, albeit illegally, to steal money and go want to be with the guy she wanted to be. She had the guts to do that. Yeah. Like we can say, yeah, it's wrong for her to take the money. It's stealing. It's a crime. Yes. Mm -hmm. But for me, it, it makes her this desperate, tragic figure because Like you said, she just wants to openly be with the man she loves and can't because of societal bullshit. Yeah. And the fact that he didn't have the balls to take a step and get away from that societal bullshit. She clearly doesn't have a problem living with him if he's not well to do. He's the one who has the problem. She could have gotten a job as a secretary anywhere else. 
Yeah. And we'll get more into that in part two for sure. Mm -hmm. And this cowboy, I just want to punch in the face. This guy's got too much damn money to throw around and fuck his little pampered baby girl. (laughs) And two, with this guy being from Texas, I know what his house looks like. I just know. I can see it in my head. I know what that daughter looks like. I can see all the rodeos. Every bit of it. And I want to burn his ranch to the ground. Yeah, and he isn't a sympathetic character either. Oh, no. No, he's not supposed to be. Yeah. You don't feel bad for him for losing the money because he's a douche. You know, it's funny. Again, we're saying this, but men probably sympathize with him. Probably. At that time, yeah. And, you know, what I like in terms of the empathy for Marion is that I feel good about it because she's not doing this like for Sam. Like, okay, the money will clear his debts, but she is doing this for herself so she can be with the man she loves. And to his credit, he did not ask her to do this. So it's not like she's doing this in the typical for a man trope. Right. Yeah. She is doing it ostensibly to have what she wants. And that's why I'm on her side. Yeah, she's going, she's doing what she wants for herself. She has the guts to do what she wants to do. And that's awesome for us, but not at that time. Yeah, she's... At that time, she would have been... Eh. Yeah, she kind of my hero. <laughs> and uh, next Hayes Code rule here, nakedness is forbidden. Well, there wasn't really any nakedness. The shower scene, my dear. Yeah, but it was... It doesn't matter. She don't actually see anything. It doesn't matter. She's still naked in the shower. Mm-hmm. And because Hitchcock's a bastard, that water was fucking cold. Cold oh, as ice. Okay. Right. Next up, various prohibited words are not to be used. Mm-hmm. Now, this one is truly hilarious. Okay. So the word in question for Psycho was transvestite. All right. However. I can say that. Mm-hmm. In repressed American fashion, the censors didn't know what that meant. <laughs> <laughs> you know, since you brought up Loki, it's kind of a, uh, for me, and for, I would assume a lot of other Americans who didn't know what the word quim meant when they saw the Avengers. <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't until years later that I looked it up and was like, <gasps> he called her a cunt? What? <laughs> So the censors only objected because they thought the word sounded dirtier than it actually was. Okay. (laughs) It's like, we know now, like, there's nothing dirty about being a transvestite. It's simply just a person who likes wearing the clothes of the opposite sex. Yeah, true. Yeah, so the writer actually had to pull out a dictionary and show them so that it would be allowed. (laughs) Okay. I mean, all they had to do was call up J. Edgar Hoover and ask. He would have been happy to tell them what it meant. (laughs) So next rule, methods of crime are not to be detailed. Mm -hmm. Again, how boring would movies be? (laughs) There'd be no procedurals, no cop movies, nothing. Yep, pretty much. No procedurals. Yeah. Imagine a world like that. Yeah, every cop movie is gone. Gone. Yeah, pretty much. So basically, they didn't want to give people ideas to murder other people, how to murder other people. Exactly. And Hitchcock threw that away too, because we see all the steps that Marion takes 
to cover up the theft. She's lying to the police. She's changing cars, using an alias. I mean, she fucks it up because she's she's yeah. not a criminal, you know? Correct. Yeah. She's extremely nervous. And then, of course, we see uh, Norman covering up the murder with the crime scene cleanup, the body disposal, mm-hmm. and right. his awful lying. <laughs> You'd think he'd be a better liar, you know? Well, he really doesn't have much contact with the outside world. He doesn't have a lot of practice. True. And lastly, of course, the Hayes Code banned all, quote, sexual perversions. There are no sexual perversions in the movie. Are you kidding? Did, did you watch the movie? Did you, did you meet Norman? Well, he didn't have sex with anyone or anything. 1960. Uh-huh. He's dressing up like his dead mother. And killing a woman. Several women. Uh-huh. Right. Because he's clearly got issues. He's also peeping through her while she's in the bathroom, remember? Right. Yes. So we've got issues. Okay. Originally, big shock here, this rule of the Hayes Code was designed to ban homosexuality. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, and then that it, doesn't need to be said. It's It's... It is. Well, that's the thing. For some people, it does need to be said. Still in Mm -hmm. 2022. And uh, Ed Gein came along and said, hold my PBR, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Like, to be in the audience when Lila, uh, Marion's sister, turns that chair around and Norman comes through the door in a dress and a wig. Just, just imagine. People had no idea. Yeah. That would have freaked a lot of people out. Yeah, this is cross-dressing on top of matricide, murdering other women, and playing with a skeleton. Yeah. and It's too much. Yeah, it is too much. It was too much for the people of Plainfield, Wisconsin, after Ed Gein was arrested, let me tell you. <laughs> they did not understand. Mm-hmm. They didn't want to, to understand either. Of course, yeah, I get that. And the the one area where I think Hitchcock really drops the ball in terms of this aspect is the whole wrap-up exposition. Mm-hmm. It's too much talking. It's too much talking. It feels very lazy to me. It's a lot of tell rather than show. And I think that was because it was too much. Yeah, and I think that they really needed to explain to the audiences at that time what was happening. Because if they didn't, people would have been confused. Yes. Yeah, they had to dumb it down for sure. Mm-hmm. And yeah. they had to have that tension release too. Because people would have yeah. been so shocked, so freaked out. Mm-hmm. Right. And Hitchcock probably didn't want to press his luck too, too much. He already knew he was playing with fire. Yeah, clearly. I mean, he threw the rule book out the window. So he had to kind of take it easy. Like, hey, this is what is actually happening over here. Yeah, so I can understand and ex- and excuse it, uh, but it does kind of ruin the ending a little bit for me in, in 2022 eyes. Yeah, in 2022 eyes, sure. But honestly, if you're looking at the movie through 2022 eyes, it's a very slow movie then. Yes, and it's a very weird movie structurally because mm-hmm. you think it's going to be one movie and then your main character gets killed off. It was, it was very groundbreaking right. at, uh, in that way. People didn't understand what the hell was happening. Yeah, but from 1960s perspective, I think it was a good ending. And to have that last shot 
Oh, I, Bates I, I'm the not smiling. ready. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. That's a part two. That's a part two. <laughs> nope. Yeah, I think that was brilliantly done. So I think the movie for its time was fantastic. Absolutely. Yeah. And it, and it's still entertaining today. That says a lot. Oh, yeah, totally. There aren't a lot of like super old movies like that that I can watch that I can take seriously, you know, like with mm-hmm. the acting styles of the time. But right. this yeah. is great. Uh, and it's helped by a fantastic cast, too. Yes. And we'll, we will get into all of that. The score, the cast, the real meat of the psychological goo uh, that we have. Mm-hmm. I can't wait. So that is all going to be in part two next week. Yeah, you're just going to be bathing in all that goo. So in another three and a half weeks, hopefully it won't be too cold, I am headed to Minneapolis for uh, the National Women's Studies Association annual conference. Very excited. Thank you so much to everyone who has donated to uh, my GoFundMe for travel expenses. Uh, The link is in the show notes. I'm about 40% there. So I would greatly appreciate uh, any more help that you guys can give because it ain't cheap going from Baltimore. Uh, to Minneapolis for a couple of days. Yeah, and Chris is not the type to, you know, steal 40,000 and change cars and do all that. Oh, God, could you imagine? You have 20,000 in your hand, you would just melt in a puddle of anxiety and sweat. Yeah, I would have, I, I would get the money. I would, I would have a plan. I would formulate the plan, but I'd get the money, but like, God damn it, I have to pee. And that would be the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, I was pissed off at the way she was dealing with the money in the movie. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> also, a big thank you to all our Patreon donors. Thank you so much for contributing to our production costs. On the feed this month, at the $5 level, we've got some Halloween history with the gun files. Yes, I learned all about American Halloween history and a lot about candy. That's a bit baffling. Yes, and in our $10 Tea with the Madams episode, Amy makes me hate Queen Elizabeth. Uh, and her progeny even more. <laughs> not Harry. Not Harry. Yes, and in keeping with making me uncomfortable fashion, uh, Chris goes a bit deep into the whole De- Jeffrey Dahmer Netflix show. Yeah, there's there's a little there's been a little bit of a controversy there. Uh, not one you mm-hmm. may be expecting. So yeah, we just get into that a little bit. Yep. And clearly, the Hayes Code had one objective in mind, which is no fapping. But we want you to fap. <laughs> She makes this her mission every week to come up with something different. It is the one thing I plan. She does it to purposely make me sorry that we called it this. <laughs> I wonder. I wonder before we did this. So yes, FAP uh, stands for Podcaster Heart Attack Prevention Program. It essentially means that uh, social media sucks. It's super unreliable. It can also be very scary for those of us who do rely upon it. Yes, and Elon Musk is not making things easy. I don't want to talk about it. (laughs) Yeah, so please subscribe to our email list so that we can stay in touch should Elon Musk or Skynet take over and we're not in touch anymore. Yeah, so that link is in the show notes along with the link uh, to our Patreon page. Yes. Let us know what you think about the Hayes Code and all this craziness on Twitter and Instagram at The Madams Pod. Yes, and... Stay tuned for part two coming next week. Thanks so much for joining us at the movies today. I'm Madam Chris. And I'm Madam Amy. You can visit our website, themadamspod.com, where infinity stones will always be a girl's best friend. 
Oh, and I realized I had actually been eating those first three episodes of Dahmer. I was totally eating during all of them. I realized. Yeah, you're because it was you, dinner time. I, <laughs> you are a piece of work. Mm. I genuinely am worried. Have I started my business with some kind of freak? <laughs> 